Well, I don't know how many of you guys uh, know this or not, um, but do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? No, it's not a bodybuilder, and it's not me either. Somebody asked if I had a replica of myself made. Uh, this is not how I see myself usually. Uh, this is Stretch Armstrong. This came out in 1976, and I had one in the 90s whenever I was a kid. I had, they had like a different line of them, and they had a, a Ninja Armstrong, and it was all black, and he had a mask um, and the blonde hair and everything else. And then in 2016, they decided to rebrand, and they went back to the original version. Uh, which was that looked like this, where he was half naked. And so I would have loved to have been in that pitch meeting where they were like, you know, it's been 40 years. We really need to revitalize Mr. Armstrong. What do we do? Somebody's like, I say we take him back to the naked version. What do you say? Great idea, Bob. Let's put him in a thong and put him on the shelves for kids to play with. Uh, but anyway, uh, this blonde-haired guy right here, I don't know if you... So the thing is, is that he, he stretches, okay? You see how far, like, he can stretch? And you can take him pretty much... Anywhere, I mean, you can stretch him all kinds, and just, he just goes right back. I mean, you mangle up his leg, and he just goes right back to where he was and stuff. And so yeah, I had one of these in the 90s, and me and my sister, we used to play with this thing all the time. Me and Brianna, we used to stretch these things out and, like, take, them as, take it as far as we could and everything else. And then the one day we were playing with it in, in, our, in, in our dad's office in the basement, and we, I took the legs and she took the arms, and we pulled as hard as we possibly could. And then all of a sudden it broke. It broke. And I was shocked. Like, we were pulling and having a good time, and I fell back and landed on my rear end, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It actually broke. And I mean, it hadn't even given like, you know, any kind of inkling or idea that this was going to happen for like years. And we thought, oh my goodness. But you know, the whole idea about Stretch Armstrong is that Mr. Armstrong is resilient, right? And if you don't know the definition of resilience, this is going to be on the screen. The capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, has the ability to spring back into shape. And so that's the whole idea behind stretches. You could all oh, make you can take him whatever you want. You can let him go. And then, oh, look at that. He's fine. Nothing's wrong. He just goes right back to where he was. And you know, the thing is that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I've been reading a lot about lately, is that a lot of us, we think that we are Stretch Armstrong. We think that, man, you can, you can stretch me. You can do whatever you want to me. Everything can happen in life. And I'll, man, just, I'll go right back to where I was. I spring back. I mean, you take me through a pandemic, and you take me through all this different stuff and all this, and oh, I mean, I'm going to be fine. I'm totally fine. You know, oh, the stock market crashed, and I lost a whole lot of money in Bitcoin like I did this week, and then, oh, look at that. I mean, look at that. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But you know what we're learning and what you're learning is that we all have a breaking point, is that every single one of us, if you stretch us far enough, we do break. And then all of a sudden, what was inside comes out. And a lot of us are, are dealing with this, are learning about this. Ed Young, he won a Pulitzer in 2021 for reporting on the pandemic. And this is what he said. He said, millions have endured years of grief, anxiety, isolation, and rolling trauma. And some will recover uneventfully. But for others, the quiet moments after the adrenaline fades and normacy resumes may be unexpectedly punishing. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, when they finally get a chance to excel, their breaks 
may emerge as size. Can anybody else relate to that? Can anybody else relate to the feeling of just when you think it's over, just when you think it's okay, your exhale is like, you're tired, you're wound up, you feel like for the past couple years, ever since 2020 kind of started, you've just been twisted and mangled. Your emotions have been high. Your feelings have been high. I mean, everything's just felt kind of off, and, and your mind has even felt off. You know, the, the researchers are saying that, that that's actually the, the biggest thing that we need to worry about over the next couple years is this, is this idea of trauma brain. Now, trauma brain, what they were originally calling it was COVID brain. They were understanding after the first year of the pandemic, they started to see the people just kind of in a fog, you know, just kind of off, kind of like they, you know, you ever picked up your cell phone and you were, you were going to text somebody or you were going to do something and then you picked up your phone and you're like, wait a minute, what was I going to do? Who was I going to text? I was doing something. What was I doing? Have you ever been there? That's trauma brain. So what they've understood, what scientists have understood is it has very little to do with COVID. Most of the after effects of what we're all reeling through is trauma brain. Because all of a sudden, when 2020 hit and things started to happen, all of a sudden, you, you, you were told that, that, that you could die, that your loved ones could die. Some of us did lose loved ones. We, we were thrown in this blender and twisted around. And so now what they're, they're noticing about the human brain is that people, it's like they've been through trauma. It's like they've, they've been in a, in, a, in, a, in a torture camp. And a lot of people are saying, like, this is our generation's World War II, which I know some of you think that's kind of a, 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 you know, a, a disrespect to World War II, but, but the after effects they're finding are the same, is that many of us have trauma brain, where our brains are literally fragmented right now, where sometimes we, we, we go to brush our teeth, and for some reason, instead of putting toothpaste on our, our, our toothbrush, we put something else, because we're like, what am I doing? Oh, am I gone crazy? And that some of us, we've had those moments. We've had that disconnect. We've felt that fragmentation in our mind. And what that is, is trauma brain. And so they're literally doing studies now, and they're looking at what in the world happened during these last couple years, and they're saying that we're just now feeling the after effects of this and understanding everything that we've been through for the last couple years. And here's the bad news. It's not over yet. I know the media and other people think, oh, it's over. It's not. But, it's, but we're learning that it's not. It's not over. Some of us, we have a cough, and we find out we have COVID. Or some of us, we think it's allergies, and we find out it's something else. And so it's just it's, it's, it's scrambling our brain. It's fragmenting our brain. Um, this woman whose name I'm going to severely, severely butcher. Um, you can go ahead and put that quote on the screen. Laura von Dornut Lipsky. I hope she's German because that's the accent that came out. Um, but Laura von Dornut Lipsky, uh, she is the director of the Institute of uh, Trauma Strategy. So she's the director of this place. And this is what she said. She said, people put their heads down and do what they have to do. But suddenly, when there's an opening, all these feelings come out. As hard as the initial trauma is, it's the aftermath that destroys people. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing that it wasn't so much in the middle of it all, but it's the after effects. It's, it's, it's the here and the now afterwards where we're noticing that people are trying to come up for air and they can't. People are finally, they've been holding their breath for the last three years 
And then they go to let it out, and then they can't breathe. Their emotions, their, their, their thinking, their cognitive abilities, everything's been scrambled and messed up. And some of you have felt that. I cannot tell you how many calls, emails, texts, and DMs I get now that tell me three months ago, I tell you, I was in a bad place. I was in a place I'd never been before. Pastor, the other day at work, I don't know what in the world is going on, but work is harder than it's ever been. And, and I drove myself home from work the other day crying. Pastor, this is what's going on in our marriage. It, it, it's, just, it's, it's like we're in the middle of, of war, but we don't know what we're at war with. But our, 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 our fists are clenched, our jaws are clenched, and, and we're, we're just in a panic. And we don't even know what we're in a panic about. It's just, it's trauma is what it is. And we're all feeling it. We're all feeling the after effects of it. So we have to address this because what we're finding out is that we're not as resilient as we thought. You know, we were told as kids, oh, just suck it up. You can do anything. Just have a positive attitude. This isn't a problem. It's just an opportunity. But we're finding out that that's not the truth, that this is something different. This is something beyond just the normal rigoros of life. This is, this is, this is much more elevated than that. So what do we do? What do we need? Many of you would say, a vacation is what I need, right? I mean, I, I, and, I, and I get it. I, I've, I've heard so many people, as soon as summer began, whew, there they went. Vacation, lake, camping, trips. Oh, oh whew, we got to go, we got to go. Because we like, that's what we need. We're like, I need a vacation. I need two weeks off work. I need time to myself. I need this, and then we need that. Some of you have done, gone and done that, and then you've come back, and what you've understood is it didn't work, did it? You wanted a vacation, and there was more work waiting for you than what you left with. You're like, my goodness, maybe I shouldn't have taken a vacation. Because now I'm behind. Now I'm more stressed. Some of you, 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 took, you took time off. Some of you, you took a job change. Some of you are like, it's my job is the problem. That's what's going on. It's my job change. You changed jobs, and guess what? The same problems were waiting for you, if not worse. And you were like, oh, my gosh, I thought it was my job. What is it? So the job change didn't do it. Some of you change your relationship. Maybe it's the relationship. Maybe it's the people. We've made all sorts of changes. We've gone on trips. We've done things, and we've all come back, and what we've realized is that nothing is really working, is it? Time off's not working. Trips aren't working. Spending money is not working. As a matter of fact, some of us have fell into some bad habits to try to cope with the trauma that we faced over the last couple years. So what do we do, and what do we need? Now, of course, you all saw this coming a mile away because you're all smart people. You're like, this is where he talks about Jesus, right? <laughs> this is, of course, I get it, Pastor. Great setup. Good job. I really like how you're introing this series. You're like, there's a problem and nothing's working. What's going to work? It's Jesus, right? I mean, you all saw that coming a mile away, right? And, of course, I would say this. This is what I always say, right? Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. And that's why you need Jesus. But do you want to know the truth? Is that I can say that. And some of you aren't so sure about that anymore. Some of you have been through some things these last couple years. And it has been so hard that you have doubted your faith. Because Jesus has not made your life better or made you better at life. Why is that? As a matter of fact, you're not the only one. Our entire country feels that way. 
The Gallup poll did a, a poll that they do every so often, and they found this. They found that 81% of Americans believe in God. Now, let me tell you why that's such a big deal. 81% of Americans right now believe in God. In 2017, 87% of Americans believed in God. In 2011, 92% of Americans believed in God. That means in the last 10 years, folks, we've lost 10% of the country. 10% of the country believes that God doesn't exist, that there is no God. Why is that? I have a guess, and it's a little harsh, and it's a little mean, but here's why. In the last decade, Christians have shown very little proof that Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. Take all the things that have happened in the last three years, in the last five years. Take the election. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get political or anything else. And I don't care who you voted for. But a man stood up on stage and, 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 and rose people up from the standpoint of, Christians, if you follow me, I will give you power and you will have nothing to worry about. And Christians, not because of the politics, but because he was our only hope, threw everything in that basket and lifted a man up. Not because of his politics, and if you agree with his politics, I don't really care, that's fine. But because it was our last hope as Christians. Because that man literally stood at rallies and said, Christians, if you vote for me, you will have nothing to fear. You will have more power than you've ever had before. And Christians threw their eggs in that basket, and the world went, wait a minute. I thought you guys put your faith in God, not a president. Or every time there's been a new cultural movement, maybe it's the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter or whatever it may be, doesn't matter your opinion on it, but Christians seem to really cry, oh, hogwash, who cares? And the world looked at us again and went, excuse me? I thought you guys were the people who were all about the love. Huh? Where's that? And then when the pandemic happened, Christians were among the loudest and the proudest that all of a sudden, my body, my choice, and I don't need to put a mask on, and I don't need to do these things, and this is ridiculous, and all of a sudden, the, the Christian church acted like they were martyrs, and, and everybody was against them and stuff, and the whole world looked at us and was, went like, wow, we're going through some really rough times and some really hard stuff, and it seems to be that the Christians are the most insecure, the most fearful, and the least likely to put others before themselves. You want to know why we've lost 10% of the country in the last 10 years? Because we've given people very little proof that Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. I like how Russell Moore put it. Russell Moore, this is so good. This is such a good quote. Russell Moore put it this way. He says, we now see young evangelicals walking away from evangelical, evangelicalism, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe that the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. I'll, I'll kind of make that common wording for you. We say we have a big God who is always bigger than any problem we face, and we've shown that we don't really believe that. We've been told that, we, we've said that we believe that 
it's our mission to love God and to love others and to put the person beside me in front of me. But when it came to things about like cloth mask and other things, we said, well, I don't want to do that. That's, that's stupid. I don't like doing that. I don't care. Well, if they don't like it, they should stay in their house. So does that sound familiar? You want to know why we're losing people? That's why. But for some of you, it's much more real than that. For some of you, it's much more personal than that because you've also kind of lost your faith in the middle of all this stuff that's going on. You've had your doubts. And I, and I have some guesses about why that is as well. The, the first one would be this. I think you were handed a Sunday school faith. I think many of you, you were handed down a faith where you were taught when you were growing up in church or going through church, either as a kid or a teenager or even as an adult, that, that you're David and the world is Goliath. And no matter what you go up against, Jesus will give you a little stone and you'll be able to chop that problem's head off. That you're Daniel, and when you get thrown in the lion's den, all you need is faith, and the next morning you will wake up fine. You know what I'm talking about? That God will never, hey, you've heard this before, God will never give you more than you can handle. And if you just believe, if you just have faith, everything will be okay. That's a Sunday school faith. And let me tell you, that's the, not the original version of faith. And so I'm sorry. You were duped. You were lied to. And you know this. Because you've heard God will never give you more than you can handle. And then you're like, then why do I feel the way I do? Some of you, you have gone against a Goliath. And guess what? You lost some of you did do the right thing, and you were thrown in the lion's den, and guess what? You were devoured. And you're like, where is God? Where is God in all of this? If God is so good, and if God loves us, then why are we going through all of this? And let me tell you, you were handed a poor version of faith, a Sunday school faith. You were handed a fairy tale that is not reality, that is not real. I think the other reason that you might be struggling through all of this is this, is you believe in God, but you don't follow Jesus. You believe in God, but you don't follow Jesus. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in God? Of course I do, Pastor. I believe in God. I'm one of those 81% of Americans that believe in God. Great. What else do you believe? I believe it's just Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Awesome. Great. What did that do for you? Nothing. I believe God is a big God. So what? What does that do? I believe that, that God is good and that God loves me. Cool. Good. Awesome. I, I, I believe that if I eat fruit, I'll be skinnier. I mean, great. You know? I mean, like, what, what, what does it get you, though? Here's the thing. Believing doesn't get you anything. And here's the thing. For many of us, for many Christians, many of these 81% of Christians, they believe but here's the thing we have to understand. This is something that we talk about all the time here. And this is what makes our church different than I believe a lot of other churches. Is that Christianity is not a reference point. Okay? Christianity is not a reference point. You can believe whatever you want. So what? Following Jesus. 
Go ahead and put that. Following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life, but believing in Jesus won't get you anything. It's not about believing. It's following. It's following that makes a difference. And here's the thing. Christianity, Christianity is not a reference point. It's a context. Do you understand the difference between those two? When Christianity is just a reference point, but not the context for your lives, you can do whatever you want, and you can live however you want. Because it's just a reference point. I live this way, I do this way, it's, but it ends up being the same as your political views. It's just a reference point. It's just a thing to tag yourself on on social media. I'm a Christian. But that's just a reference. A context is something that changes who you are and why you do what you do. And for many Christians today, this is what we do. We create the context and reference Jesus. When it comes to my sexuality and what I want to do with my body and what my sexual preferences are, we say, well, this is how I feel, and this is what I want to do, and this is what I believe, and this is how I feel. Me, 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 me is the context of me, and I reference Jesus, but I also like everybody to know I'm a Christian. Or how I want to spend my money and what I want to do with my finances. Well, here's the thing. This is what I want to do with my money, and this is what I feel like, and this is what I want, and me, 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 me. But love that guy Jesus. Believe in him. Whoop, whoop. He died for my sins. I believe that. Who cares? Believing doesn't do anything. Or this is what I want to do with my relationships. Or this is what I want to do with my life. And the thing is, is that many of us, we are creating the context and referencing Jesus. And we're calling our pastor and saying, hey, I'm just making sure because this is the context that I want to live in. Are there any verses about this or anything I should know about? Oh, there are. Sometimes there are. You know, I'll tell them like, yeah, actually there are. Okay, there are. Mm, my context says those are a bunch of baloney and made up. Never mind. And they hang up the phone. Because I'm the context. I create the context. Jesus is just a reference point. Jesus is just my homeboy. Here's the thing. Christianity is not a reference point. It's a context. And you cannot create the context of your life. And here's the thing, because of this dichotomy, because some of us have been handed a, a Sunday school faith, because some of us, w w Jesus is just a reference point, yeah, guess what? Jesus hasn't made your life better and made you better at life. Of course it didn't. How could Jesus make, following is what makes the difference, not believing. So of course believing didn't make you any different. Didn't do anything for you. And your Sunday school faith that just, you know, references God or believes in God, it didn't do anything either. So, of course, so if you're struggling, here's the thing. If you're struggling with your faith this morning or if you're doubting God and you're like, I've kind of walked away from God because I'm not so sure it works. Well, here's the thing. You're not using him correctly. You're not following him. You're just believing in him. And the God that you were taught as a kid, here's the honest truth. Some of us were taught the wrong faith version. But I have hope. A lot of my pastor friends, they're like, this is it. Ship's going down. 
We're losing, losing the country slowly but surely. I mean, not even slowly but surely. I mean, geez, 10, if we lost 10% every 10 years, I mean, woo, Jesus will be back before 2000 or 3,000, whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like some of my pastor friends are like, well, better hang it up now. But here's the thing. I have hope. I have hope because do you know what? The world, as much as they've tried, have not been able to replace Jesus. People may be done with Jesus, and I get it. If I had, if I, I got handed a little bit of a Sunday school faith until I deconstructed my faith and rebuilt up my faith, I get it. Some people, they've, they've had some bad stuff happen, and Jesus was just a reference point. I get it. I'd probably be in the same boat if I went through what they went, so I don't blame anybody. But what amazes me is that for 2,000 years, nobody has been able to find a replacement for Jesus. And they've tried everybody's trying because everybody needs something right now. They know that. I need something. I need to build up resilience in my life. I need, I need to be able to get through this trauma that I face. And so they are trying everything that they can. I was at the gym this week, and uh, some girls at my gym were passing around a book. And I was like, hey, what's that book? So they said, oh, here, here it is. So I, I picked it up. Now, look, you're going to see some dirty language on the screen, okay? But I'm just, you, you, you probably have, I know some of you have this book on your dinner table. I was there the other day. Anyway, but, but this was the name of the book. You're a, you're a bad mamma jamma. How to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life. Wow. That's the name of the book. It's a catchy title. I was like, yeah, it's cool. So I picked it up. I was like, uh, oh, so this is the book you're reading. She goes, yeah, we're, we're reading it. We're passing around the gym and stuff. stuff. And I said, uh, I said, was it, is it helpful? Has it helped you? Because ah, it's just it's kind of just full of a bunch of cliches that the, art, you know, the, the writer just kind of yells at you and stuff. You know? And so I was interested. So I, I flipped it up. I just flipped it open right there. There was a, a thing in italics here, and this, this, is, this is what it said. It said, there's nothing as unstoppable as a freight train full of F yeah. <laughs> I, I was like... Stuff like that? That's what's in the book? She's like, yeah. There's nothing as unstoppable as a freight train full of F yeah. Woo! You know? And I was like, so was it helpful? She goes, no, not really. Do you know what? Everybody knows they need something. And everybody knows they need something right now. And the world is trying to market towards this problem, is trying to get your money, trying to write books, trying to create content to try to help people through this. But here's something we all know. You can take whatever catchphrase you want and make it sound cool, and you can look yourself in the mirror. You can grab that kitchen sink, and you can look at yourself in the mirror every single day, and you'd be like, Michael, you're, there's nothing as unstoppable as a freight train, and you're a freight train, and you're full of heck yeah. So choo-choo, mamacita. I mean, <laughs> some of you, you do that. I'm a freight train, choo-choo. You go through the house. Everybody look out, daddy's home. Choo-choo. I'm full of something. I can't repeat it, but I'm full of it. Here's the thing you all know. You can yell, you can yell whatever you want at yourself. You can give yourself whatever catchphrase you want, but you all know it only fills up the gas tank another quarter mile. Right? 
The world is looking for alternatives to Jesus, but they can't find an alternative. And here's the thing. It's because nothing can make your life better and make you better at life like Jesus can. The thing is, and the reason it hasn't always worked for you is because you were handed the wrong version of faith. Or because Jesus was just a reference point, not the context of your life. So, I want to help you over this next month understand who Jesus really is and who Jesus came to be for you during these times and what Jesus says you must do in order to have resilience. Because here's the thing you have to understand about resilience. Resilience is not endowed upon you, okay? You could pray for it, okay? Resilience is not something that is endowed upon you. It's something that's developed in you. If you go to Jesus and you go, Jesus, I need resilience, I need to do this, you know what Jesus will do? He'll just give you an opportunity to be resilient. He doesn't grab his blessing gun and go, here comes resilience on the way. You know, that's not how it works. And you're like, oh, there it goes. That's not how it works, people. It is not something that is just endowed upon you. It is something that is developed in you through trial and error. And that is where we are. We are in this moment of trial and error and opportunities to be resilient. But we cannot be resilient when Jesus is, is just something that we cite, just a reference point in our life. He has to be the context. So if we look at Jesus, and we, if we look at who Jesus really was, you know what Jesus said? Well, we're going to go back to that verse, Alyssa, that I skipped over. This is what Jesus said about trouble in the world. He said, in the world you will have troubles. This is how I know that wh why do bad things happen? And we're going to talk about that really in depth next week. Why do bad things happen if God is so good? Come next week, because I'll answer that question really, really well for you. But here's... Here's how I know that, that God is not just a, a, a cure-all for troubles in the world and trying to make our life sunshine and rainbows. Because he promised us. He told us. In this world, you will have troubles. He said it right there. You're going to have troubles. There's nothing I'm going, coming to do that, that, that is with the intention to take away your troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. Okay. Then what do I do? And Jesus goes, I got an answer for that too. So if we go to Matthew, when Matthew, he was with Jesus, or when Matthew interviewed the people who were with Jesus, Jesus gave this, this talk about when things get hard. He said this, he said, come to me. And you probably, you've heard this probably all before. This is so old school, everybody, this is, this is, this is on Hobby Lobby, written on boards and all kinds of stuff, right? Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus said that, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, he could have just ended it there. Believe that. Right? If, if faith was just about believing and not following, he could have just left it there. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And we would all scratch our heads and go, I don't really know what that means. But that sure would look good over my living room fireplace, so I think I'll buy it. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest. Sure you will. But Jesus was more practical than that. Jesus was not just about faith. He was about doing, and he was about following. And so this is what he says next. So 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, some of you don't know what that means. I didn't know what it meant for a long time. I thought he was talking about egg yolk when I was a kid. I was like, that's kind of weird. You can't take your eggs, Jesus. Uh, but it's not. It's a yoke used for farming. So what they would do is, is when they had to drag a heavy weight, when they had to drag a plow or something like that, they would use, it was usually oxen. They would take two oxen, and they, they put this contraption over their neck. So there would be two of them here, and they would put this contraption over their neck, and, and the two oxen would have to pull in unison. They would work together, and they would have to be in sync, and they would have to be in step with one another. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What Jesus is saying is he's like, hey, I will come alongside you. When you, when you are weary, when you are burdened, when you have trouble, I'm with you. I'm with you, and if you take my yoke, if you pair yourself with me, and you learn from me, which means like, hey, look, I know we're like together on this, and we're, we're here, but l- let's be very clear. I'm the lead here. And see, and here, here's the thing. When, when Jesus is just a reference point and not the context of your life, many of us, we are yoked to Jesus. I believe many of you, you are yoked to Jesus. You're yoked to Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, all right. My way. Here we go. All right? This is what I want to do. Okay? No, 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 Jesus. No, you follow me. Okay? This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do with my life, my sexuality, my financials, my relationships. This is how I want to handle this pandemic. This is how I want to handle this problem. You come with me. Okay? I, I, I go and then you go too. Okay? That's how a lot of us are yoked to Jesus. That's what happens when Jesus is just a reference point in your life. But when he is the context of your life, you yoke yourself to Jesus and you go, all right, what, how do you want to do this? How do you want to handle this? What do you want to do? You're, you're the lead. You're the lead on this. And I am going to follow. And what you do, what you say, what your teaching requires of me, that will be the context of what I do next. And see, and that's the thing that many of us have to understand. During these times, the last couple of years, we've taken everything on ourselves. We've created the context. We've decided how we're going to handle this. We've decided what we're going to do. We have just referenced Jesus. But the thing that Jesus warned us about, and John was there, and John wrote it down. He said this. Jesus is talking to them because I want to remind you, I am the vine and you are the branches. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But here is the warning. Apart from me, you could do nothing. And many of us live our lives like I'm the vine and Jesus is a branch. But I also got this branch. And I got this branch. There's a documentary I, 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 I watched. I got that branch. There was this TikTok I saw. There's this branch. There's what my friends think. There's this branch. There's what my family says. There's this branch. And Jesus is just another branch among them all. And I think I am the source of life, and I am the context of my life, and I can live my life however I want to do, and I can just reference all the little things that I watched and I saw. And Jesus is just another branch. But God warns us, and he says, do not ever forget that I am the vine, and I am the source of life and joy and happiness and peace and wisdom and answer. And if you act as if you're the vine and I'm the branch, oh, buddy, 
apart from me, you can do nothing. And you will continue to struggle. And you will continue to slip up. And you can, you can do as many things as you think you think are the answers, vacations and job changes and purchases and all this stuff that you think are the answers of your life. But man, I'm telling you, you're going to be right back to where you started. Because I created you. I didn't create you to go and live out your own context. I created you. I'm your creator. I'm your king. I'm your God. And this is my kingdom. And these are my people. I create the context, not you. Don't, don't make me just a reference point. But Jesus tells us, he goes, man, but, but if you would do this, if you would follow me, this is what he says. He says, take my yoke upon me, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Does anybody want to find rest for their soul? Has anybody been scared the last couple years? Has anybody felt like the relationships were on the brink? How many times have you said to yourself, I'm done? When it came to your job, when it came to your kids, when it came to your relationships, when it came to yourself, and you said, I'm done. Wouldn't it be nice to say, I'm not done? Wouldn't it be nice to find that rest? For your soul? Isn't that what we're looking for? Jesus says, I got that. I got that for you. And I'll give that to you. I'll create that in you. I'll develop that in you. But in order to do that, I don't just endow that upon you. You've got to take my yoke upon you and follow. Follow me. Learn from me. Make me the context of your life. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We kind of get confused about that verse a lot of times. We think, oh, so if I do this, my life will be easy and my burden will be light. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is, what Jesus is saying is what I'm trying to put on you, because some of us are like, man, you're kind of sounding kind of preachy. Like, you got to do this and you got to do that. Man, that just sounds like you're just putting a lot on my shoulders. But Jesus is saying, look, what I'm trying to put on you is so much easier than what you try to put on yourself. What I'm trying to put on you is so much easier than what the world is trying to put on you. What I'm putting on you is I want you to be cautious, and I want you to be wise, and I want you to love people, and I want you to be generous, and I want you to serve, and I want you to put others first. Let me tell you what, it, my way of living is so much easier than the world's way of living. And for some of us, we've taken on the yoke of the world or we've taken on the yoke of our community or we've taken on the yoke of our friends or we've taken over the yoke of whatever sub-ecosystem that we're a part of. And you have learned just how much of a burden it can be. And Jesus goes, look, whether you like it or not, you're taking on somebody's yoke. You're taking on somebody's yoke. Mine Mine is way easier and way lighter than the world. Because theirs, the yoke of greed, the yoke of corporate, <laughs> the yoke of politics, <laughs> the yoke of this community, that community. Man, I'll tell you what, those people, whoo, they expect a lot. 
They expect more than me. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think if there was one thing God would want you to hear today is this. I am on your team. I'm on your team. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm on your team. I'm not trying to take your life away. I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you be at peace. So would you take my yoke upon you? Will you let me be the lead here? Will you, will you follow me in this? Will you not just make me a reference point, but will you make me the context of your life? Will you make me, will you make me the king that I am in your life? Isn't that what you're looking for? Isn't that what you need? Band's going to come back up and we're going we're gonna to sing a song together. And it fits perfectly with this message. And it's called Another in the Fire. We've sang it before, but there, there's a line... There's a line from this song I want you to read. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. I'm going to have Pastor Mike and, and Ms. come up to the front, just right here, just at the end of these aisles. You guys can come on up. And here's the thing. If this morning you feel like your heart has been under fire, if at any point in the time in the last three years you've said to yourself, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm tired. I don't deserve this. I just, and it's just felt broken and fragmented or whatever else. Look, when your heart is under fire, there is a grace that God wants to give. There's a grace he wants to share with you. He wants to take this opportunity and develop resilience in you. And I know that sometimes when the walls are closing in, you think there's only one way to deal, do this. There's only one answer. This is what we have to do. And you're under, you're under a panic. You feel like you're under the gun. And you're like, this is it. But Jesus reminds us, no, 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 no. There's another way when the walls are closing in. There's another way. When it feels like you just got your hands out here and you're like, that's it, I, I got to do it. There's only one way to do it. Jesus is like, hey, hey, I'm still with you. I'm on your team. There's another way. Another way when the walls are closing in. So I've brought Pastor Mike and Miz down here because I know, and man, I tell you what, if you, if you done lied to me, I'm going to come after you. But some of you have called me and you've told me how done you are. I want you to come down and just let these two men of God pray for you. You don't even have to say anything. They're not going to say, what, what do you want me to pray for? And you have to explain it. They're just going to simply pray for you. Because some of you, that's what you need this morning. You just need somebody else to speak God into your life. You just need somebody to pray over you. You just need somebody to pray for endurance and resilience during this time. If, if, if any time in the last three years you felt like that, I want you to come down and just let these gentlemen pray for you for just a minute. That's all I want. Because this month, we need to do some soul searching. We need to do some work on our hearts this month. 
We don't need vacations. We don't need that stuff. That stuff's good and that stuff's fun. If you take that, that's fine. But we need to do some serious work on ourselves. This is the time. This is the time. Because if we don't, we will break. And that's what I don't want. I hate being with families when the damage and the decisions have already been done. I don't like to come in and just pick up the pieces and help people move on. There's work to be done before we get to that point. And now is that time. And you still have time. Those walls are closing in, but you still have time. There's another way. And there is a grace that is available to you when you're under fire. God is on your team. So I want you to stand with me this morning. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. And Ms. and Pastor Mike are down here to pray with you. And I want you to come down and just let them pray over you. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, Father God, you, you know what we've been through. You know where our hearts have been. You know what we have felt these last few years. You know what I felt recently. You know what I have felt this week. It feels like my heart is under fire. It feels like the walls are closing in on me, closing in on my marriage, closing in on my kids, closing in on my job. Just, I need something right now. And I don't know what it is. I've had my doubts because, God, I have just wondered where you are in the middle of this. But God, I... I repent this morning and I know that I have not always made you the context of my life. I have referenced you. I have made you sometimes a thing that I just do on Sunday mornings. And I hear you, God. I hear your message and I hear your words. And God, I need you. I need you on my team. I have been dragging this weight my way long time and I am very tired so alright God I'll follow you I will give you the turn and I'll let you be the lead I'll let you be the vine and I will make you Lord of my life I will make you the king that you deserve to be and I give you permission to do that in your name we pray as we worship this morning, I want to invite you to come down and pray with Ms. and Pastor Mike this morning.